the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through the Gospel of John. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. That's all addressing how God relieves us from the source of irritation and aggravation that often comes by way of life because that's a picture of what a shepherd will do to help a sheep to prevent these flies from laying eggs and producing larvae. They anoint their heads with oil. And the oil serves to be like a salve that keeps the flies away, and and the olive oil keeps the flies away and keeps them out of burrowing up their nose. So it's a kind thing that the shepherd does Pastor Gary will be talking today about sheep. Yes, those woolly, smelly, terrified farm animals. He'll tell you all the ways that sheep are dependent on their shepherd for life. They simply can't survive without him. There's a reason Pastor Gary will be giving you a lesson on sheep, though. It's to remind you of the good shepherd you should be relying on. Jesus cares for you, just like you were a helpless sheep. He watches out for you provides food and shelter, and leads you on the path of righteousness. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of John chapter 10 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. John chapter 10. We started actually into John 10 last week, and I read the first 21 verses or so, and then kind of ran out of time, and so didn't have much to say about it. So what I want to actually do is reread those verses from chapter 10, and then spend a little more time here tonight talking about um, this 10th chapter, because this first section here is just a great section that helps us to understand our relationship to Jesus as sheep and as the shepherd. And he uses these uh, agrarian terms. That's, that's the culture that they were at the time. It wasn't an industrial civilization. It was an agrarian culture. And so they were familiar with that role of shepherd and sheep and sheep to shepherd. And so he uses that to describe his ministry and him in relation to us. So here in John chapter 10, uh, let me read again verses 1 through 18, and then we'll come back and and discuss it here. So verse 1 says, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. 
In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So let's pause there. All these words, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, pretty much in red here. This is uh, all that, that Jesus is saying here. Again, uh, most of these people that he's speaking to are his critics. This is on the heels of chapter 9, which had to do with the man that he healed of blindness. And then the Pharisees and religious leaders challenged Jesus. Who do you think you are to have performed this miracle, especially on the Sabbath? And so he speaks about how they are ever uh, hearing but never understanding. They, they can see, but they can't really understand because they don't have the spiritual sense and a relationship with Jesus, so they don't acknowledge him as Messiah. And for that reason, they are more blind than the guy was before he got healed physically. On the heels of that, he starts speaking about this relationship between sheep and a shepherd. And within this uh, conversation here, we mentioned last week that uh, there are two more I am statements that he makes in addition to the other two. There's a total of seven throughout the Gospel of John, and as we make our way through, I'll unfold all seven. But up to this point, we've seen four I am statements, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, and then we also have here from this 10th chapter, I am the gate for the sheep, that's out of verse 7, and then verse 11 he says, I am the good shepherd. And here he begins to express this relationship that he has with us like a shepherd to sheep. And in the middle of this as well, he's also contrasting his being the true shepherd versus those who are false shepherds or just hired hands who have no vested interest in the sheep themselves. And so at the same time that he expresses a little bit about the relationship of him to us and us to him, he also then begins to express some characteristics and qualities about himself as the true shepherd. Now, in order for us to really appreciate all of this, and I, and I kind of dove into this a little bit last week, but just by way of you know, expanding on this somewhat, um, we first need to understand sheep and shepherds, since I don't know anybody here who happens to be either, except in the metaphorical sense. We are all sheep, 
and Jesus is, is the good shepherd. But otherwise, you know, most of us here, maybe there's one or two, because we still are a little rural in Loudoun County. Maybe some of you do have some sheep, and you know, you know better than others of us how sheep operate, how they think, how they function. But in order for us to really appreciate what Jesus is saying here, we need to have a little bit of a lesson on what sheep are all about and, and how he expresses himself as the good shepherd in this story. So sheep, here I'm going to give you just five things about sheep. There's probably a lot of things that could be said, but uh, five things about sheep. Number one, they are easily frightened or timid. They, they are scared about everything. I mean, I, at the risk of offending any sheep, I will even say that they are neurotic. I mean, these are neurotic animals. They are scared about everything. For example, sheep have exceptional hearing. So because they have exceptional hearing, they are easily frightened by a lot of noises because they hear everything. And so they're very jittery because every noise that they hear begins to make them feel afraid. In addition, they also have, and I'm not sure how they figure this out, but sheep apparently can see in color. Because what they've tested is that sheep are very afraid of certain bright colors, primarily yellow. And so if you're, if you're wearing yellow and you go to pet a sheep, they'll run away from you. They're scared of you, okay? Because they're scared of the color. So they have their heightened ears, their sense of hearing makes them afraid easily of noises. Their, their eyesight, they can see color. They're frightened of certain colors. They're also frightened of running water. We talked about this last week. That's why in the 23rd Psalm, he leads me beside still waters, that great Psalm about the shepherd and the sheep because sheep will never drink from running water because they're scared of it, you know, and because it's moving and they need calm, still water. As I mentioned last week, you can appreciate this. If you're wearing 25 sweaters, you don't want to get near running water because you're, you're going to go, you're going to sink like a rock right to the bottom of the, of the river. So they're, they, they know this. So like, uh, we can't get our, our, our fleece wet, bah, you know, and so they're, so they're, so they just kind of, you know, back up. And so they just will. And so they'll only, they'll only drink out of calm water out of a pool because are afraid of running water. Also interesting about sheep, because they're so afraid, when you look at the tracks that sheep leave in the dirt, it's always zigzaggy because sheep are constantly walking and looking over their shoulder. <laughs> That's how neurotic they are. So, so a, a, a sheep's footprints, a hoof prints are never in a line, they're always zigzaggy because they're constantly paranoid. They're looking over their shoulder. Some of you can relate to this, can't you? You're going to begin to see yourself as a sheep as I go further and further into this, aren't you? So, so they're constantly afraid. And, and when danger comes, they, they huddle together. So it's the reason why when you have sheepdog, because they see dogs as predators, and when the, when the sheepdog come around to kind of corral the flock, they will instantly move together because they feel safety in numbers because they're all, if you're neurotic, you want other neurotic people around you. And so, the, so that they kind of huddle together, and so they're all easily frightened and very timid. In addition, they are easily disoriented and they get lost very easily. So that when they wander off and they're just kind of grazing and, uh, and, and moving around the pasture lands, and if they get too far, if a good shepherd is not there to, to bring the sheep back, they will get lost and then they will look around and they're like, we don't know how to get home, you know, and they won't, and they don't know how to find their way back. Like even, even your dog and cat can find their way back home, not a sheep. A sheep, if you, if you, if you, if a sheep gets too far away, totally lost, has no internal GPS whatsoever. 
Uh, so, so that's an issue. Easily d- disoriented, easily lost. Number three, they are helpless. They are helpless animals. And there's a term called uh, sheep become cast. And what that means is that sheep will sometimes, unfortunately, uh, end up on their backs. If they go to lie down and they roll on their side, they, they can't get up. And then because of their weight or their fleece, they end up on their backs with, you know, their little, their little legs, spindly legs up in the air. They can't get up. Now there's a book. Some of you might have read this book. But it's a great book. It's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, written by Philip Keller. We have have a Philip Keller on staff here, not that guy, but a different Philip Keller who's actually a shepherd. And he wrote a great book about the 23rd Psalm and kind of broke it down. And from the perspective of a shepherd, as he as he is, he he talks about this cast. So I just out of this book, let me just read these. He says, a heavy, fat or long fleeced sheep will lie down comfortably in some little hollow or depression in the ground. It may roll on its side slightly to stretch out or relax. Suddenly, the center of gravity in the body shifts so that it turns on its back far enough that the feet no longer touch the ground. It may feel a sense of panic and start to paw frantically. Frequently, this only makes things worse. It rolls over even further. Now it is quite impossible for it to regain its feet. As it lies there struggling... Gases begin to build up in the rumen because sheep, sheep have four chambers to their stomach. They, they ruminate. They chew their cud. And so what happens is now they're on their back and, and uh, gases begin to build up. Some of you, again, are identifying, aren't you? And so, honey, <laughs> get off your back. Anyway, and so as these expand, as the gases expand, they tend to cut off blood circulation to extremities in the body, especially the legs. And if the weather, listen to what Keller writes here, if the weather is very hot and sunny, a cast sheep can die in a few hours. If it is cool and cloudy and rainy, it may survive in this position for several days. So this is a problem. They, they are very helpless. They, uh, they could die if they end up on their back. And then they are also defenseless. Again, we talked about this briefly last uh, week, how, uh, you know, coyotes and lions are the principal predators of, of sheep. And again, but they have no defense system. They have no shell like a turtle. They have no, no claws. They have no teeth. They have no growl. They have, they have really nothing to defend themselves. They can't even, you know, change colors or, you know, fade into the background. They are completely defenseless. I mean, they are, they are just a pork chop ready for the applesauce and, 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 the, and nobody can defend them. Now, one of the things I didn't mention last week, and this is also something that Keller writes about in his book, is something that uh, they're defenseless against, and those, and that's called nasal flies. Nasal flies. Sheep get terrible infestations up their nose of nasal flies. This is, this is a sad thing here, but it talks about how this particular fly called a nasal fly, it will, uh, it will come and lay eggs in the mucous membranes of a sheep nose. I know some of you are like, really? Do you have to go down this path? I'm serious. This is all part of a, an education on sheep, but here we go. So this fly lays eggs in the mucous membranes of a sheep's nose, which become larvae, and then a few days it takes, that's all it takes, to form small, slender, worm-like larvae. They work their way up the nasal passages into the sheep's head. They burrow into the flesh, and there set up an intense irritation accompanied by severe inflammation. For relief from this agonizing annoyance, sheep will deliberately beat their heads against trees, rocks, posts, or brush, 
They will rub their heads in the soil and thrash around. And in extreme cases of intense infestation, a sheep may even kill itself in a frenzied endeavor to gain respite from the aggravation. Often advanced stages of infection from those flies will lead to blindness. So, you know, it isn't bad enough that, you know, you could drown if you stepped into water. You know, now you have to worry about nasal flies. Uh, but interestingly, Keller writes about, this is, this is as part of you read the 23rd Psalm, thou anointest my head with oil. That's all addressing how God relieves us from the source of irritation and aggravation that often comes by way of life, because that's a picture of what a shepherd will do to help a sheep to prevent these flies from laying eggs and producing larvae. They anoint their heads with oil, and the oil serves to be like a salve that keeps the flies away, and, and the olive oil keeps the flies away and keeps them out of burrowing up their nose. So it's a kind thing that the shepherd does to anoint the sheep's head with oil. And it's that beautiful picture in Psalm 23 of thou anointest my head with oil because God is concerned about those things that come into our lives that irritate and aggravate because he wants us to have his peace. He wants us to have his rest. He doesn't want us to have to always be frustrated with all of the things of this world. So God even anoints our head with oil like a good shepherd does his sheep. And so as you recognize all of these things, one more thing on the list, and that is dirty. They are very dirty creatures. Again, as I mentioned last week, they secrete an oil constantly that we have harvested today and using some products called lanolin. But as a result, the oil makes them very sticky. Everything sticks to, to sheep. Their own urine, feces, grass, twigs, dirt, everything sticks to them. Somebody once said that sheep are like walking Velcro because everything they touch sticks to them. So they're dirty creatures. Now, I want you to recognize all this because in, in this discussion here that Jesus has about sheep and shepherd, we need to see ourselves. We need to see ourselves. Now, he's going to speak here about my sheep, and that is speaking of the Jews, but then he also in the text here talks about in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And that speaks to the Gentiles. Because Jesus came to die for all, Jew and Gentile alike, and that as many as respond to him can have relationship with him if they acknowledge that he is the Christ. So then in the course of this story here, this dialogue, he expresses what the true shepherd is all about. And everything about the true shepherd is really pointing to himself in this whole context. One of the things that he says there in verse uh, 3 and 4 is that the true shepherd leads the sheep and he goes ahead of them. In other words, he guides faithfully. These are all things about Jesus that he really is expressing to us about himself through the, the picture of a shepherd. He guides us faithfully. He is the one who leads us. And he goes before us. You know, sheep cannot be herded like cattle. Sheep can only be led. Sheep can only follow. That's how they move. They cannot be herded like cattle. And so Jesus is that good shepherd who guides us faithfully, and then we follow him when we have relationship with him. He also mentions here that they know his voice. And that mention about the voice here is... Um, like five times through, through this 10th chapter about knowing his voice, knowing his voice, knowing his voice. What it expresses is that he knows, he knows us personally. 
When you, if you call somebody on the, on the phone who's a really good friend or family member, you don't have to identify yourselves. I mean, beside the fact that they have caller ID on everything now, pretending that they don't have caller ID, you don't have to announce yourself or, or introduce yourself on the phone because why? Somebody knows your voice. If they have a relationship with you, if they know you well and know you personally, you don't have to, hey, mom, this is your son. You know, they know your voice when you just say, hey, how are you? They can hear. And that's the same way that Jesus is with us. We know his voice because he knows us personally and we have a relationship with him. Then he also says there in verse 7, one of the I am statements, I am the gate. When shepherds would corral their sheep at night, when they would be out in the pastures in the wilderness, they would corral their sheep at night to keep them from wandering off. So they would build little makeshift fences to, to pen them in. But then there wouldn't be a, an actual gate with you know hinges and a latch. The shepherd would be the gate. And at the opening to this penned area that they would make with sticks and branches and brush, whatever they could, the shepherd himself would lie down across the entryway so that the sheep could not leave without, you know, and get lost, and so that no predator could come in and devour the sheep. So it was this picture of of genuine care that the shepherd had for the sheep that I'm going to just put my body here and stay watch for you because I care for you. And then he also mentions there, number four, I am the good shepherd in verse 11. And that expresses how he loves sacrificially because he he says there in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, which is exactly what Jesus would do for us by dying on a cross versus the hired hand, someone who's not a legitimate shepherd, someone who does not have the interest of the sheep, the the false shepherds, the ones who are not true, when they see a wolf coming, they're going to abandon the sheep. You know, they don't really care. They run away, verse 13, because uh, being a hired hand, they, they don't care for the sheep. Now, I have to tell you that when you look through this, and obviously Jesus is the chief shepherd, and he is the great and the good shepherd, that even the role of, of pastors, we, we need to model the idea of what Jesus is like here. Okay, And you, you can spot a pastor who's not truly a pastor, doesn't truly have a pastor's heart, by the way, he, he doesn't abide by the example of Jesus. And unfortunately, there are some hired hands. There, there are some, some pastors in some churches that they don't really have an interest to love and care and feed the sheep. They, they're just in it maybe for themselves or personal gain or ego or whatever it is, or ulterior motives. And there are, there are a lot, uh, unfortunately, of, of some people who aren't in the ministry for the right reasons. And Jesus is expressing who he is here, and if, if anybody in ministry desires to serve the Lord, then they should exemplify the Lord in these areas as well in relation to his sheep by guiding faithfully and knowing personally and caring genuinely and loving sacrificially. That's the part of just being real and genuine and faithful and loving. And so he sets the example here. But again, he mentions in verse 16 that I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Jesus did not die only for the Jew, but he also died for the Gentile that all would be saved who come to know him. And then again in verse 17, he kind of repeats this whole idea of I'm laying down my life for the sins of the world. He says, the reason my father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again because Jesus was not defeated by the grave. He rose again three days later, triumphed over sin and death. So he says, verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. He says, I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again, this command I received from my Father. When Jesus was crucified, it was not something done to him. It was something that he allowed to be done to him. 
Because he had the authority over his life, and it was his to lay down, and it was his to take up. No man takes my life from me, Jesus says. When he dies on the cross, he willingly submitted to the will of the Father and allowed the Romans, the Jews, all of us, in effect, to nail him to that cross. But it wasn't because he was forced to die. It was because he was willing to die for us. The Gospel of John is an interesting take on the life of Jesus. He was absolutely a man who experienced things as a human. But he's also God. And so because of that, he's able to do things that are unthinkable to the average human. But it's clear to see through this book that Jesus is anything but average. He's the Son of God. Are you interested in knowing more about Jesus and what he's done for you? Perhaps you'd like some prayer support in what you're learning or growing in. If so, please email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Do you live in or near Leesburg, Virginia? We'd like to invite you to come join us this Sunday for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship at Cornerstone Chapel. You can find out service times and other information when you visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll also find previous messages from Pastor Gary and even download our mobile app. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and hearing some things from the book of John that may be life-altering for you. We look forward to you joining us again for our next edition here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know